We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And you can check us out at CheeseheadTV.com as well. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I am joined, as always, by Andrew Mertig. It is good to be back for another Friday edition of the show. Uh, Andrew, we got to watch some football tonight. Joined as always by Andrew, Mer- I I feel like <laughs> after a week off, it it's felt like longer than two weeks since we've been together, and and of course Andy Herman filled in for you last Friday, but then I, I recorded an episode by myself. I was subbing for somebody else, so I feel like we've been we've been apart for a long time. Yeah, yeah. as as always, may not necessarily be true anymore. I don't we, know. <laughs> we 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 have some catching up to do, um, yeah. and it is great. To be back together, but I'd say I'm uh, excited to talk some football tonight. Except that this ended up being more like a fourth preseason game, or maybe like a Hall of Fame game type situation than uh, the dress rehearsal that the third preseason game is supposed to be. 
Yeah, definitely kind of rough. Uh, definitely had yeah, a different feel to it than you'd probably expect for that third week of the preseason. And this is actually the first preseason game that I have personally gotten to watch in real time as it's happening. I've watched a lot of things on replay the last couple weeks to kind of catch up. But uh, it's been kind of a weird and wild month of August for me and the fam. So I really appreciate Andrew's patience with me during the move to Michigan. And of course, the pairing of Andy and Andrew was awesome on last week's show. So a uh, huge shout out to those guys but it is good to be back and it was fun to i let's say it was kind of fun to watch some canadian football uh tonight eh or was... oh, that was a good one <laughs> thanks you thanks. know you know andy totally humored me last week and was like oh finally i get to hear one of these famous rants right like <laughs> but you know nobody really appreciates them and i was like i only do this once a month and back to back weeks never right never but i got something tonight <laughs> i got I think, something i think you just popped the microphone maybe on that one maybe sorry got, i don't got, finish that. i don't get fired up your phone I, I i do get overly excited sometimes but like soldier field is the you know is the the home field of an actual professional top level professional football team and they still put out a garbage field service so can the nfl please stop relying on places like winnipeg and canton and wherever else they imagine they want to play stupid preseason games to actually provide an nfl-like playing environment seriously there were several injuries that were a direct result of playing on a poor field service and it looks like Equinemius St. Brown suffered a very serious injury because his foot got stuck in the ground on what was an illegal hit, but still the turf was as responsible as the player. So if you want to be an employer that preaches sanctimoniously about quote-unquote player safety, you can't force guys out there on these trash turf fields. Being the... You know, the NFL is a hypocritical organization, um, and, and that's just their new norm, but... A promising young player in ESB probably just shredded his knee or his ankle. And what do they care? Because all their employees are replaceable in their eyes. We aren't even to the regular season, and I'm already disgusted by the behavior of NFL ownership. And, uh, you know, just because the Raiders can't figure out where their home field is, they want to experiment and play on a Canadian Football League stadium. But... uh, I guess we can just move on and talk about the game. (laughs) I know that many of our loyal listeners tune in every Friday, probably for the sole reason of hearing Andrew's great rants. I know that they are one of my personal favorite parts of the show, and they're all good. uh, But I would say that this one is absolutely... It's, it's good because it's based on fact. There is zero reason for the players to be subject to the field conditions that they're experiencing tonight in this game. There's a video on Twitter of the Packers coaches and the officials checking on a hole in the end zone before the game started. It's just crazy. Uh, they knew this game was coming, and it's just frustrating that it not only looks bad for the league, it's damaging, like you said, to these young players' careers and their health, which is obviously of the most important. So let's be better at NFL. You are better than this. We love your product, uh, but this 
is something we need to fix. So let's move on. As Andrew said, um, our final score tonight from Winnipeg was Green Bay 21 and Oakland 22. Uh, Packers lost a heartbreaker here. Uh, but seriously, it is the preseason. The final score isn't what actually matters. And so tonight, Andrew and I want to do our best to give you our instant reactions to what we saw out there. Uh, who's stacking success? Who's struggling? And how this 2019 team is really beginning to take shape after now this third preseason game. Yeah, and confession time. I was I was playing catch up all night because I, I got a late start on watching the game and so I was skipping the commercials and skipping halftime and I actually didn't watch the last six minutes of the game because <laughs> I asked Kyle if anything interesting had happened and he told me no. Um, I would have thought it was hilarious though and probably would have watched the last six minutes if Daniel Carlson had missed that field goal just for the humor of being the former Vikings kicker and, and having all of those issues last season in Lambeau. But um, we we split up the responsibilities tonight, and, and I focus on the defense, and Kyle watched primarily the offensive side of things. So let's start there. What did you see in the offense tonight, Kyle? Uh, we didn't get to see any Aaron Rodgers tonight, so uh, that obviously means that somebody else gets the opportunity. And interesting interestingly enough to me, I guess, the first guy out of the gate was... Tim Boyle and Boyle's first quarter was really rough. He seemed to struggle with footing, uh, which could have been another turf issue thing. Uh, but he just seemed really rattled early on and I was ready to mail it in and get Kaiser out there. But then his second quarter was just worlds better all around, almost like a completely different quarterback out there in ways. And he he just kind of settled in and had quite a bit um, of confidence getting the ball out to Tanyan and to Trevor Davis. And at one point he had, I think it was seven passes completed consecutively. And of course he connected with Trevor Davis and Jake Kumaro on those touchdown passes. And so I am a big fan of Kaiser. I think he has a really nice ceiling. But he didn't show a lot tonight, and so uh, it's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison at all. It's really not fair. But Boyle had a much better supporting cast tonight and a much, much better just performance all around. But uh, Kaiser just seemed to hold the ball too long on several occasions and never really got into much of a rhythm. And then in the fourth quarter, it just kind of seemed like Green Bay was just kind of content to run the ball, kill some time, and get out of Canada. So uh, your quarterbacks tonight... You know, Boyle with some really nice stuff, but just kind of, again, some inconsistency from both quarter quarterbacks uh, that you just kind of want to feel better about all around as you head into the regular season. Um, at running back, I thought Trey Carson looked like a really solid running back out there tonight. Interesting that he was the back who got those first touches tonight. We heard earlier in the week that Coach LaFleur was not pleased with rookie Dexter Williams, which does open the door for more opportunities for Carson, as we saw early tonight. Uh, he did some nice things between the tackles. He had a great play on a screen catch. Nothing explosive, though. He's not Aaron Jones out there. Uh, but you can see why the coaches seem to like him. When Dexter did get the chance... You notice the pace that Dexter Williams runs with is just quite a bit faster. Uh, you get the explosive factor, uh, factor with Dexter Williams, and so that is exciting. Uh, you hope that he can continue to build on that success and convince the coaches uh, that he's worth trusting on the field. Uh, so some good looks from the running backs tonight. And then wide receiver uh, was probably the funnest position to watch in this game. Lots of action with these young guys that are all battling for roster spots. And tonight was kind of the Trevor Davis 
show, right? He had the reverse in the first quarter, the crazy catch after what looked like a pass that was going to be broken up by the defender. And then early in the second quarter, Davis caught a ball from Boyle that was truly something to get excited about. He high pointed the catch and it wasn't like it was uncontested. He came down with it for a touchdown. And then later in the second, they got the ball out quick to him and he got up through some traffic for about 20 yards. So a great night for Trevor Davis. But even with how great of a night he had, Darius Shepard was also really, really impressive. And it wasn't just one play from Shepard either. He did, uh, you know, what you're looking for in the preseason. He continued to stack success. He had a nice sideline catch early, and then he had the crazy outstretch catch in the second. And this is just a guy who doesn't look like a fringe roster guy. He's proven his value on special teams, and he's done nothing but take advantage of every single opportunity that he's had on offense. And most of those opportunities ended in some pretty impressive plays. And to me, that's what stands out about Shep. A lot of receivers do their job, but the best receivers in the league find ways to be playmakers and to make plays that they never should make. And I know that this is probably pretty rich at this point, but I think Shepard has shown some of that special ability, and you just don't cut guys like that. So I want to talk about Equinemia St. Brown for just a second tonight because I just kind of felt like he had a rough night all around. We talked about the injury. He had kind of a drop before that. He fell down on another route, and so we hope the best for him. Obviously, his health is the biggest thing. Uh, but with all these young receivers stepping up around him, you kind of wonder where EQ is in the grand scheme of things. Tight end was a quiet position for me tonight. Tanyan did some really nice things. I want to go back and watch him in the running game. Uh, but he didn't have any big plays like Shep or Trevor Davis. They caught your eye. But he had a couple clutch catches as well. And so I think you continue to like what Tanyan is doing and the trajectory that he is on. And then to wrap things up on offense, offensive line is probably one of the toughest positions for me to watch and assess live because you're kind of ball watching. You're kind of watching to see where the plays are being made. Uh, but Alex Light is a guy that continues to catch my eye. And I wouldn't say that I watched half of his snaps tonight, if I'm being honest, but the ones I saw were really, really nice. He plays with a lot of balance. He doesn't panic in his sets. And I know that this is a little premature at this point, but Alex Light might be the best backup tackle, or at least have the potential to be, that the Packers have had in several seasons. And so exciting to see that development. Uh, Cole Madison had a couple penalties. Uh, left the field with an apparent injury later in the game. Lucas Patrick threw a flag. So uh, excited to go back and watch a little bit more of the offensive line. But Alex Light continues to excite me, um, even, you know, amongst even the big plays that uh, the skill players were making tonight. Alex Light uh, did some really nice things. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that definitely stood out to me was, you know, you talked about the receiver position and and the depth there and, um, you know, obviously Devontae, MVS, uh, Geronimo Allison, none of them saw the field. But then you have guys like Jake Kumaro just continues to make plays. Uh, Trevor Davis looking just phenomenal tonight and, and brings that diversity in, in skill set to some of the other players. You have Darius Shepard. Um, you know, you have uh, Lazard. And then you have ESB and Jamon Moore not necessarily making plays, but the guys with tons of potential. And so I talked on Sunday how if if you're going to choose more than six wide receivers, you put yourself in a really difficult position at other roster positions. And, you know, right now, 
if if you're going to make prediction, you could talk about Adams, uh, MVS, Allison, Kumaro, Davis, and then who's that sixth player? As horrible as it is, sometimes injuries make those decisions for you. And, you know, unfortunately, that looked like a really serious injury to Equinemius. Um, you hope the best. You hope he's back out there and, and he can he can fight for that roster spot. But, you know, you may you may end up on IR and then that makes some of those decisions a little bit easier to make. Yeah, absolutely. And Rogers had said that ESB was somebody he said, like, had basically already made the team. Like, that's how deep this group of receivers was. But you also know we've talked on the show that Lafleur hasn't traditionally kept more than six guys. So, like you said, some of those hard decisions do come down to injuries. And so we hope the best for EQ, but that may be one of those cases. So that's the negative. But if you want to focus on the positives, uh, watch the plays where the offense is using misdirection. We haven't seen a lot of that. I, I think Lafleur has intentionally been very vanilla to be able to assess some of the younger players, um, but also not to give away a lot of his game plan to the Bears and other uh, other upcoming opponents. But tonight you started to see a few plays here and there. You, we had some fake jet sweeps, uh, some different motion than what we've seen, and, and some other uh, sort of um, peaks in into what the offense could be. And yeah, the offense didn't get a lot out of the few times they showed this. I Tim Boyle missed on a throw on a fake jet sweep where the safety's bit and he, he had a wide open seam. Um, but there were opportunities. Uh, and and you can assume Aaron Rodgers is not going to miss those when, when they come up. I think we are going to see heavy doses of those types of plays this upcoming season. So that, to me is really, really exciting, the potential for a very different offense than what we might have seen under Mike McCarthy. Yeah, I agree. It is exciting. And we did, like you said, see a pretty vanilla version of this offense tonight. So we'll have to wait and see. It's real unveiling, probably in Chicago when it really matters in just a couple of weeks. But let's get to the defense, Andrew. What were your takeaways from Mike Pettin's unit uh, tonight in this game? Absolutely. And I'm going to start on the defensive line. I've been really hard on Tyler Lancaster, and I, I thought he had a rough couple of weeks to start out the preseason, but he did make a nice play on the opening defense snap. And unfortunately, we see him leave the field late in the first quarter. Montrevious Adams and Kingsley Kiki did a pretty good job of controlling the defensive line. At edge, you have Rashawn Gary. He wasn't able to get to the quarterback again, and I just feel like these are things that are getting dwelled upon way too much. But if you're going to be fair to him, the Raiders had a lot of quick hitters and he didn't have the time to get home, but he made some nice pass rushing moves. He he had a nice inside looping move in the first and might have actually gotten home, but Glennon had a receiver open very quickly. He came back from what looked like a leg injury only then to get his neck snap back. The good sign was he was able to walk off the field, but those can be really serious, and so we will wait and see what we hear. I know people are alarmed by those lack of you know numbers, whatever numbers on defense you're looking for, but I think he's a really important player for the progression of this defense. I don't expect a ton from Gary during his rookie campaign, but certainly an impact pass rusher that brings a skill set that not a lot of other people in this world possess and somebody you want on the field. So wishing him a speedy recovery. 
Kyler, Kyler Fackrell had some solid plays. I know he isn't going anywhere because he has such a significant special teams ability, but his inability to do anything against the second and third string defensive players for the third consecutive week is starting to become alarming. And I know I get a lot of flack for ragging on Kyler Fackrell, but he just he's been ineffective and on the defensive side of the ball. So take that for what it is. Randy Ramsey was solid. He had a nice drop off into coverage. He sets a really nice edge in the run game. Um, and so he was a guy when we talked about undrafted edge players, we really didn't talk about Ramsey much because he has kind of limited athletic measurables, but he's shown a, a really nice ability. And, and I would think he is a very solid practice squad option. Curtis Bolton and Ty Summers got a lot of valuable reps in this one. I thought they showed up well in the run game. Both struggled a little bit as blitzers when when they got that opportunity. I don't think they have much of a game plan in that aspect of the game. Their pass coverage was kind of inconsistent, a little bit up, a little bit down. I did really like a specific zone drop in the second quarter by Ty Summers. He did a great job identifying the player in his zone and then breaking on the ball quickly. Summer's tackling was a lot more solid this week than it was last week. Uh, Unfortunately, we did see the Curtis Bolton injury and the reports were that he came out of the locker room on crutches. So that's not good. An incredibly thin position gets even thinner. We we will have to see if the Packers look into adding a veteran if Burks and Bolton look like they're going to miss some regular season time. When I filled in for Sunday's show, I did mention somebody like Manti Teo could be a really good stopgap, and now the need looks even higher than it did at that point. James Crawford looked a little shaky. He was giddy, he was late getting out on the touchdown path to pass to Keith Smith, but then he recovered a very similar play in the third quarter. He read Smith leaking out of the backfield and made a tremendous tackle for no gain. Uh, At cornerback, Josh Jackson had some nice plays, but he seems really far away from significant playing time this season. He made a nice play tipping a Mike Glennon pass later in the first where he came off his guy and and was able to make the deflection. Chandon Sullivan, uh, it was funny. I started writing some kind of negative things about him. He got in a bad position and ended up going through Keelan Doss where he got a really obvious pass interference call. And then Doss absolutely froze him on an in-cutting route, which led to a big gain later in that very same drive. But Chandon came back to have a really, really nice game. Great coverage on the sideline route in the second where Marcel Aitman got away with an obvious offensive pass interference call. Uh, Sullivan had another fantastic coverage on Pearson L and knocked the ball away. Uh, He knocked away another pass later in the game against uh, Nico Gafford, and he had a blitz where he was able to make a deflection. I believe that was Nathan Peterman in at quarterback. Neutral Jamerson had what looked to be good coverage on the very next play, but the replay looked to show that he absolutely whiffed on the ball, and then Aitman misjudged it and let it go through his hands. So, Maybe a terrible defensive play that leads to a terrible offensive play is a win for him. I'm not sure. Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. Will Redmond made a really nice play on the same drive. Uh, he drove the running back uh, backwards on a quick pass. New Deer Rouse had some really great coverage down the sideline and another route. So we haven't heard a lot from Rouse. Good to see that. Raven Green had some nice flashes. He had a nice pass breakup on the Raiders tight end to force a three and out on the first drive. He did get a 15 yard penalty on the helmet hit. And, uh, you know, 
the replay showed maybe he made a little bit of contact with the back of his helmet and the runner kind of ducked their head. But you absolutely cannot lower your head to hit players like that. It's just not acceptable in today's NFL. And so Raven Green, good learning experience for him there. He had a really nice blitz where he almost forced Mike Glennon into an interception on a play where the Packer defender just couldn't come up with the ball. He also made a really nice close and tackle on a keeper from Nathan Peterman. So, you know, solid, solid night all around by the defense. Uh, Some flashes. Certainly you're not seeing a lot of the first team players again, but some players stuck out and continued their their uh, good play in the preseason. I think it was uh, three pass breakups for Shandon Sullivan. So a good night for him. And he's a guy that obviously needs those kind of plays uh, to prove his worth for this roster for sure. Yeah, and a really versatile special teams player. So the fact that he's contributing on defense is a good sign. Unfortunately, uh, you know, that's that's exactly the same kind of situation that I explained with the wide receivers. You have Kadar Holman out with an injury and Chan Sullivan is stepping up and maybe taking a spot on the roster. Yeah, absolutely. Josh Jackson is another guy that you mentioned that I continue just to not know exactly what to think about him because he seems buried by guys, uh, fourth or fifth cornerback on the team at this point, and showed some good awareness on a couple of uh, plays tonight, but also just kind of looked a little bit uneasy dropping into some coverage as well. So excited. I think probably the injury and coming back from that has probably delayed maybe some of the progress that we could have and should have expected. And so hopefully that continues uh, on an upward trajectory as we get into the season for sure. But uh, Andrew, what about some uh, impressions on special teams? Yeah, absolutely. We are not going to be casual fans and ignore special teams. (laughs) Uh, But J.K. Scott continues his impressive offseason. He had great hang time all night long. To start the fourth quarter, he had the 50-plus yard punt that went out at the one-yard line. He can't do any better than that. That that was a very Madden-esque or, uh, you know, like the video game uh, Madden-esque. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, you know, if you go back in time in the mid-90s and all of football history before that, they used to do something called a coffin corner punch which many people may not be aware of, but they used to actually try to kick it out of bounds instead of just rugby punt and get backwards. There you go. Although this was the 11-yard line, you have to remember, Andrew. It's complicated. Yeah, I I don't understand the metric system, Kyle. (laughs) It's weird. So (laughs) were we playing in meters tonight? I I didn't didn't quite get that. Uh, Trevor Davis showed his natural return ability immediately in his first preseason action of 2019. Kyler Fackrell got a really weird false start on a punt where he just kind of stood up. Not really sure what he was doing there, but it seemed like somebody told him the wrong snap count. Really, it wouldn't surprise me, since I'm sure none of Fackrell's teammates like him, that they just told him the wrong snap count. Oh my gosh. Seems like a pretty unlikable guy to me. You know, just just stand up, Kyler. That's what you got to do. <laughs> there were a lot of missed tackles on that big return by Pearson L. But Jake Kumaro showed some good work as a gunner. And that's an important factor for him on the roster because we don't know what the other receivers are going to be able to do on special teams. So it's nice that he can contribute that way in addition to being a, a good option for Aaron Rodgers. So what players caught your eye tonight in either a positive or negative way? overall Kyle yeah 
what I'm going to go with here is kind of obvious, I think, and so it's kind of cheating, but I think it is so obvious because it's absolutely the truth in the narrative of the game that we watched tonight. Uh, the depth at wide receiver is really, really good, and Aaron Rodgers made a comment about how this is one of the deepest groups of receivers that he's played with. And that sounds like something that, you know, a leader would say, a good leader, a good quarterback, kind of a coach speak kind of answer. But I think we saw a little evidence of that tonight. Green Bay just clearly has the one superstar receiver. We know that that's obviously Devontae Adams, but I really do think Green Bay might have a pretty special group of receivers all around. And I think that that depth is really going to come in handy, not only when injuries inevitably occur, but the depth will also give Lafleur the ability to come up with lots of different personnel looks to confuse the defense. And so it's exciting to see guys like Trevor Davis possibly growing to their full potential and guys like Jake Kumaro and Darius Shepard coming out of seemingly nowhere to be possibly true contributors to this team. And so that was, you know, in a night that's kind of full of injuries and some frustrations with field conditions, some really fun things to see happening and coming to fruition for this Green Bay Packers team. Yeah, and obviously I was focusing on the defense tonight, but there were two offensive players that really stood out to me. And I think you touched base on both of them, but I just wanted to kind of add my two cents in. One was running back Trey Carson. It was really interesting to me that he played ahead of Dexter Williams, as you mentioned. That yeah. That's that's a, a sign. Maybe it's a sign for Dexter Williams and just, you know, kind of a slap in the face to wake up and and uh, be better. But he showed great decision making and some ability in the passing game. I'm super hesitant to think he'll make the team over Dexter Williams, but maybe they do end up keeping five running backs. And even if not, Carson has the obvious inside track on the practice squad spot at the running back position. And one of the things, you know, when you were talking about Dexter Williams and Trey Carson, that kind of stuck out to me. If you think about them, uh, you know, as a duo in the backfield, Dexter Williams has some of that Aaron Jones in him. They're different players, but he's a flashier version. And uh, Trey Carson, maybe more like the Jamal Williams. He's very steady. He's not going to break a huge run, but you know, you're going to get something solid out of him. So, Um, Kind of an interesting dynamic that stood out to me. And then wide receiver Trevor Davis. I I have to say this because I have been hypercritical of Davis for years. I thought he was kind of an overrated returner. And the only route that he could run was the nine. And if you're not familiar with that, like, you know, a a go route or uh, a vert. Um, And that was kind of kind of the only thing that he ever practiced, (laughs) apparently, because they wouldn't let him run anything else. But man, either I was grossly wrong about that or he has improved a ton. And it's probably a combination of those two things. But just so many ways the Packers can use him. He's a much improved route runner. He can run those jet sweeps and the quick screens that that will really benefit this offense. He's a natural catcher. And he is the best return option on this team, as much as it pains me to admit that. So as long as he stays healthy for the next week, I will say he is a lock to make the roster. Shocking. Andrew, let me ask you one one question that we have not prepared for. How concerned are you that Aaron Rodgers has not played in the preseason? None at all. I don't know if you got to watch the Packers broadcast, because I, I, know, I know you're out of state, but... They they did a sideline interview. John Kuhn interviewed him, and he asked him, should Packers fans be concerned about your back? And there was kind of a wry smile on Rodgers' face, <laughs> and he said, 
no, I am not playing because of anything to do with my health. He said it is all about the field. So he, if I think if that was a home game, that he would have played tonight. Okay, absolutely. That's good for me to hear because I did have to unfortunately watch the Raiders' uh, coverage of the game. <laughs> so uh, that is good, good to hear. And I do think that you know we see the coaches, uh, the um, I guess Packers aren't ownership, but you know making these decisions based on player safety. And I do think more and more of the preseason will kind of go this way, where you your priorities to kind of come out of these games with your players healthy, and then let your practices be the place where you build that chemistry and those kinds of things so i'm with you that i'm not concerned we'll see what happens in chicago uh but i don't think that it's absolutely essential and i don't think we're missing out on any kind of great uh chemistry building here as we uh try to get through the preseason here yeah and and you know that was a great nugget to get from the packers broadcast and really the reward for all of us for having to suffer through three hours of james lofton (laughs) who by the way all-time packers great james lofton just to not, be clear, not the best color commentary. In the game. <laughs> I just, just, just throwing that out there. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Pack a Day podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Pack a Day podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Jake and Mark. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. And we will be back next week with a breakdown of the Packers' fourth and final preseason game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember...
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.